Digital Gonzo episode 82, dated Sunday the 16th of June 2012, Alien Resurrection. These were very, very hard to come by. So was our cargo. Whatever you got going on here ain't exactly approved by Congress. It's a military operation. Really? Who are you? Ripley Ellen, Lieutenant First Class, number 36706. Ellen Ripley died 200 years ago. You're a thing, a construct. They grew you in a lab. What the hell is going on here? He is breeding an alien species. I wish you could understand what we're trying to do here. Now they brought it out of you. Not all the way out. You want to tell us what this is? It's a queen. She'll breed. You'll die. Ellen Ripley died trying to wipe the species out. I'm not anxious to see her taking up her old hobby. I can feel it. I can hear it moving. So he like ran into these things before. Yeah. What did you do? I died. We're moving. That's a standard emergency procedure. Any serious problem in the ship autopilots back to home base. What's home base? Earth. What is that? This is the fifth of seven reviews of the Alien movies. You already know the drill. If you want great films, go back a few weeks. We're into the dregs now. Smoking a Galois cigarette inside as you turn for that extra level of classy Frenchness, Leah Haydu of Gamerdork. I'm so totally classy, and this film deserves it. Mon dieu. Munching chocolate bread and swigging from a flask of battery acid, Joshua Garrity of Cane and Rinse. Hello there. Wearing a striped t-shirt and riding a bicycle, Sharon Shaw of Gonzo Planet has had to eliminate seven botched clones of herself just to be here tonight. It was fun. And chomping on an onion and going oh he ho he ho, it's James Perkins of Geekwad, absolutely dripping with KY jelly. Oh, thank you all. <laughs> Ew! <laughs> Seriously, everything in this entire film was covered in it. That's okay. true. Alien Resurrection. Impressed with his work as screenwriter, Fox hired Joss Whedon. Whedon's initial screenplay had a third act on Earth with a final battle for Earth itself. Whedon wrote five versions of the final act, none of which ended up in the film. The studio initially imagined that the film would centre around a clone of the character Newt, as Ripley had died at the end of Alien 3. Clearly nobody in this focus group had seen the beginning of Alien 3. Whedon composed a 30-page treatment surrounding this idea before being informed that the studio, though impressed with this script, now intended to base the story on a clone of Ripley, whom they saw as the anchor to the series. Whedon had to rewrite the script in a way that would bring back the Ripley character, a task he found difficult, 
The idea of cloning was suggested by producers David Geiler and Walter Hill, who opposed the production of Alien Resurrection as they thought it would ruin the franchise. It did. Sigourney Weaver did not want Ripley to become a figure of fun who would continuously wake up with monsters running around. The possibility of an Alien vs. Predator film was another reason for the character's death as she thought the concept sounded awful. However, Weaver was impressed with Whedon's script. She thought that the error during Ripley's cloning process would allow her to further explore the character since Ripley becoming part human and part alien would create uncertainty about where her loyalties lay. This was an interesting concept to Weaver, who thought that the film brought back the spirit of Alien and Aliens. No, it didn't. Weaver received a co-producer's credit and was reportedly overpaid $11 million. Sorry, paid $11 million. Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle was intended to direct this film. Peter Jackson was also approached, but declined, as he could not get excited about an alien film. Fox then approached Brian Singer. Eventually, Jean-Pierre Genet was asked to direct, as the producers believed he had a unique visual style. That means just smearing everything with shit. Genet had just completed the script to Emily, which is wonderful, by the way, and was surprised when he was offered the job for Alien Resurrections. He thought the franchise had finished with Alien 3. It had, and believed that making a sequel was a bad idea. It was. Genet, however, accepted the project with a budget of $70 million. He required a translator, as he did not speak much English when filming began. Genet hired French special effects supervisor, single-named visual effects Ponce Pitoff, who later went on to direct the exciting box office smash Catwoman and very little else. Genet and his crew watched the latest science fiction and alien films as reference material and obtained production reports from the alien films to study the camera setups. So, so what did that teach you? Genet was given creative control, contributing several elements to the script, including five different endings, although the expensive ones were dismissed. He also opted to make the film a dark comedy and was encouraged to include more violence. Genet asked ADI to lean towards making the human-alien hybrid creature more human than alien. An early concept was to replicate Sigourney Weaver's features, although the crew felt this design would be too similar to the design of the creature Sill from the 1995 film Species. Eyes and a nose were added to the hybrid to allow it to have more expression and communicate more emotions than the aliens, so it would have more depth as a character rather than just a killing machine. It didn't. Genet was adamant about the hybrid having genitalia, which resembled a mix of both male and female sexes. 20th Century Fox was uncomfortable with this, however, and even Genet eventually felt that, and this is a direct quote, even for a French man is too much. The genitalia were removed during post-production using digital effects techniques. And what did you say earlier, Josh? I wish the entire film had been digitally removed from existence. (laughs) As do I. Winona Ryder, <laughs> Sticky Fingers Ryder, faced a challenge with the underwater scene as she had nearly drowned at age 12 and had not been in water since. She suggested using a body double, but knew that it would be too obvious to audiences due to the difference in hair length. Oh <coughs> what? my god, seriously? No, because she's going to have like, different hair. Ever have a pair of scissors? <laughs> a wig! She filmed the scene, but suffered from anxiety on the first day of filming. Well, honestly, she did it, at least, so that's, you know, fair fair play to her. Um, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times gave the film a negative review, as well he bloody should, stating, There is not a single shot in this movie to fill one with wonder. 
Jeffrey Overstreet of Looking Closer commented, it's time they quit killing the aliens and just killed the alien series altogether. How the mighty have fallen. Joe Baltaki of the Sacramento Bee stated that this alien should never have been resurrected. Hoyor! While Tom Meek of Film Threat wrote, Weaver and Genet's efforts are shortchanged by the ineptness of Joss Whedon's script that seemed to find a way to make action sequences unexciting. That's not a word, by the way. Richard Schickel of Time, who apparently has never seen the first or third Alien films, described it as less frightening, but as much fun as ever. Yeah, because that's the thing about the Alien films. They're so much fun. Uh. <laughs> Washington Post contributor Desson Thompson felt it satisfactorily recycles the great surprises that made the first movie so powerful. And most significantly, it makes a big hoot of the whole business. Screenwriter Joss Whedon was unhappy with the final product, as well he should be. When asked in 2005 how the film differed to the script he had written, Whedon responded. It wasn't a question of doing everything differently, although they changed the ending. It was mostly a matter of doing everything wrong. They said the lines mostly, but they said them all wrong. And then they cast it wrong, and designed it wrong, and scored it wrong. They did everything wrong that they could possibly do. There's actually a fascinating lesson in filmmaking, because everything they did reflects back to the script, or looks like something from the script. And people assume that if if I hated it, then they just changed the script. But it wasn't so much that they changed the script, it's just that they executed it in such a ghastly fashion as to render it almost unwatchable. Joss, there is no almost. My issue with this film is that after the serious trilogy, the third of which clearly didn't even need to be made, this was an attempt to make The Alien a fun, universal monster-style creature feature. It's a slasher movie in space, much like Jason X, and you're not expected to root for the humans, but merely guffaw when they are messily dispatched. That tradition persisted with the next two, coupled with way too much exposure of the creature, making it no longer scary. Effectively, this new trilogy even manages to lessen the impact of the first two by removing the mystery and terror these filmmakers have crafted. It's a testament to how studio franchise greed can wreak a negative impact. I can only hope that when an alien project eventually occurs in the future, it will be with a director able to stand up to the money men, and one where they know their boundaries. So, talking points. My first point is, gooey, disgusting shit. Which is what I wrote while we were watching the intro sequence. Gooing distant, yeah, just goo all over the opening credits. Um, you find out later that those are like the failed clones that uh, Ripley burns later on in the film, but mm. it's weird. It's a weird opening. Uh, it, I, I suppose it kind of fits in with the tone of Alien, but like at that moment, it just feels like. I'm trying to be arty with the beginning, aren't I cool? Have you seen oh, the, uh, the the extended cut of this? The opening? Anyone? The director's cut starts with a guy in, in a, a spaceship and then he with just squashes flat. a bug or something. Actually, it starts off at the bugs going, ah, and you're like, ooh, it's an alien, and it's just a bug. And he squashes the bug and then he puts the bug into his drinking straw and spits it at the windscreen. For no reason, other than to gross out the audience. I think um I think the first time I watched this, I must have watched the theatrical cut because when I when I um rewatched this earlier, I watched the 2003 special edition, and mm. I was just like, wait, I, I was just like, not very what? special. <laughs> no, it's not special at all. And I, at the opening, I was just like, what? What is this? Wow, well, it's a guy spitting a bug at a screen, and it says "Alien Resurrection." It's like, well, what? I'm confused. 
when I think of Alien, I think of space truckers spitting flies at windows. That's the first thing I think. The insanity of the cloning process. Okay, like, for starters, requiring Sigourney Weaver to be in this film weakens the film from the get-go. If you can't do an Alien film without Sigourney Weaver, let alone Ripley, who she's not playing, by the way, you can't do a film. End of. I'd also like to comment on the cloning process that is uh, demonstrated in this film. What, the 200-year-old blood samples? Well, first of all, um, Ripley... uh, I might be completely wrong. I might have watched the movie wrong, Alien 3. But she jumped into, like, molten lead, right? Like an incinerator. How do you get samples of DNA of the Queen and Ripley from that? I don't know, first of all. Hang on, it's blood samples that uh, Clements took while she was still being treated. Okay. I don't understand how you get two pieces of DNA mixed together from two separate organisms. Because the cloning process is that you take a single cell and then you you know, make an embryo and you clone it. You can't, you can't confuse, like, two organisms together. That doesn't happen. You can't do that. So how they created all these twisted creatures is beyond me, unless, uh, well, I'm clearly thinking about this movie a lot more than the creators are thinking about it, but whatever. Uh, someone you else are thought. spot on, though. If, if you take a blood sample from a pregnant woman, and look at the DNA. You don't get people going, oh my god, this is some weird kind of two-person hybrid. What, what would this possibly create if we put it in a blender and tried to make a person? If no. they cloned her, they would create her, yes. not pregnant her. Absolutely. It doesn't change yeah. your DNA. Yeah. It is an implanted entity. It doesn't merge with her. And if it did, in some twisted sci-fi creative way then the clone would be an alien human hybrid it would not have a perfect queen embryo inside it it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense at all although there are a lot of things in this movie that don't make sense which i'm sure we'll get the onto. entire movie i was gonna say i think yeah. we were about five seconds in before i said that the make no goddamn sense and i said it multiple times there should be a that makes no goddamn sense, button. Yeah. You could just keep constantly pressing it throughout the entirety of this movie. But there's a bit... There's a point at nearer to the end where nothing makes sense from then on. But, uh, okay, so the insanity of the cloning process is done, and then Ripley comes out of her shell, and it's all supposed to be kind of symbolic, and that's fine. I, I, I sort of, kind of, could have gone along with this crazy, stupid film premise and all the whole way through if it had just been enjoyable but it's not so it drags as well this film mm. it's like it, it meanders around a bit and it's like can we get a move on please why are you spending so long in this corridor mm. covered in ky jelly can't we just <laughs> That's what move she on <laughs> Better. Congratulations. There's a lot of bits which are like that bit in Alien, or a lot of bits that are like that bit in Alien. There's bits where she's like, you know, my mummy told me there were no real monsters, and oh, yeah, because that's that bit in Aliens. It's going, hey, folks, remember this bit? And yeah, we remember it. It was good that first time. Uh, oh, 
this is as artless to me as the AVP films. And just, just because they've got a director who's got a very strong visual style in doesn't make it better. So, yeah, as far as the plot goes, they're clutching at straws. And they're sort of, you know, again, it's narrative contrivance that I remember, you know, throughout the 90s reading sort of, oh, well, they're going to do another alien film. How are they going to do that? How are they going to get Weaver back? Well, they clone her. They what? And so I'd kind of, I was already leaning into it, this whole idea of the clone Ripley thing. But when you actually get to Ripley, that's actually not Ripley. There's a whole, Dan Hedaya asks, how does she have memories? And it's like, oh, it's part of the um, genetic heritage of the aliens. They save memories in DNA, a gift from the alien species she now shares genetic material with, so she can remember everything, except that she doesn't and she can't. And she's not actually Ripley. She is as much Ripley as uh, if you created Abraham Lincoln's body out of bits of old Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> it's not the man. He didn't do those things. He absolutely wouldn't have memories. He'd be a meat puppet. You'd have to teach him to be a person. At and best, he'd just have the DNA of Abraham Lincoln. That'd be it. At best, she's Ripley's daughter. That's effectively what a clone is. If you're taking a cell from somebody and creating another person out of that cell, that's their, that is their child. The normal process for this is sperm meets egg. If you're doing it with one cell in a test tube, it's still the same process. Mm. But Her character's completely inconsistent, though. Like, at the beginning of the film, she's like this oh, I don't understand what's going on around me. You must explain to me these human words that I don't understand. And then later on in the film, she's making quits like she's a Joss Whedon character. Like, <laughs> do you want another do trophy? Do fuck to get off this ship? It's yep. like... Where does she learn these cultural you... reference points? Even the original Ellen Ripley wasn't that snappy. Yeah, it's just... How do you... <laughs> How does a character evolve that quickly in that space of time? And it's oh, it's not the alien DNA. Well, no. That is a fucking no, half-assed right. excuse they lean on for the entire film, and it doesn't fucking work. Nope. That okay. notion of um, the advanced instinct that uh, creates the inherited memories is utter twaddle, though, because if assuming that this is some kind of... Um, uh, animalistic instinct that's um, advanced to the point where you can almost inherit uh, things that your forebears knew, it would leave her with the remnants of knowledge of language, but not English. It doesn't implant vocabulary. Also, there'd be so much... If, if she's got such vivid memories of being Ripley, wouldn't she have hugely vivid memories of also being a queen? And also, yes. she, if, if she speaks almost with candor of, you know, I encountered these things before, what did you do? I died. If she's taken from blood samples that happened way before that event, she has no memory of that, yet she's speaking as though she does. And also, if you're going to inherit the alien's ability to remember stuff, surely it would all be the Queen's memories. Like, you wouldn't well, remember the queen. Ripley. She, she didn't have any memories. She was like alive for like one second. So the Queen wasn't even alive. Yeah. She was jesting. She was this big. I'm holding my thumb and forefinger not very far apart at this point. What memories do you have? Well, there was a heart. <laughs> 
No, it doesn't make sense. It Nothing make sense. is bullshit. This entire fucking film is bullshit. So the characters, such as they are, the shouty yeah. Dr. Rem, who is the man who shouts and is evil and actually gloats at one point when he goes, you really are too trusting. He's like a fucking Saturday morning cartoon villain at that point. <laughs> um, then there's creepy Dr. Gediman, played by the wonderful Brad Dourif. Really, really like Brad Dourif. And he's got this weird-ass character to play and he is kind of watchable for his few moments on screen. He is a fantastic actor. A- anyone who's seen him in Deadwood and he plays Grima Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings. Like he he knows how to own the screen when he's on it. And I, I do actually like the scenes that he's in. It's a shame he's in this movie. <laughs> and then there's this badger haired Doctor Williamson who does nothing but go and get killed. Um but then there's the crew of the Betty. There's Mal, Zoe, Jane, Kaylee Wash, Simon and Ara and River. Now, bear with me for one moment, because these guys really are the prototypes for the, uh, the crew of Serenity. Um, only they're not the least bit likeable, and there's no depth to any of them. So actually, they aren't. So there's uh, Elgin, who is uh, Michael Wincott, who, by the way, when he grins and goes, she is supremely fuckable, isn't she? Uh, he looks like Aphex Twin. Uh, Christy is basically Zoe. Jonna is basically Jane. Vries is a weird combination of Kaylee and Wash. That's the uh, the guy in the wheelchair. Uh, Annalee Call is Simon, who bitches at the rest of the crew, doesn't get on with them, is something of an outsider and a do-gooder, and the audience doesn't like for a long, long time. Uh, Sabra, the just the bit of tit that hangs around in the front of the uh, of the cockpit, is kind of a sort of proto in now. I mean, that's she's elegant. That's about it. And uh, Ripley is River, the girl yep. who's been messed with by the government. This whole thing is like a really shabby prototype Firefly. That makes me cry on the inside. Yeah, but seriously, it is. Have you noticed, though, that that is just more support for the notion that Josh Sweden needs to tell producers and anybody else who tries to interfere with his work to fuck off and let him get on with it. Well, he did that on Wonder Woman. Guess what happened to Wonder Woman? It didn't happen. Precisely. So, yeah, the, the, the crew of the Betty are supposed to be the ones that we actually side with. They're actually the heroes of this film. But, Christy, after, the, during the basketball scene, Ron Perlman comes on like a rapist, and he goes up behind Ripley and he's like, you know, we can do some other stuff if you like, baby. And basically he's like, you know, if you're done playing basketball, I want to rape you. And Ripley <laughs> throws down the basketball, he gets a shot in the balls, ooh, and then the rest of the crew of the Betty should go, yeah, well, that's what happens. You mess with a woman who is more powerful than you, you try to stick your dick where it doesn't belong, and you get a shot in the balls. That's what happens. But Christy decides to grab a big old weight and smack Ripley in the face with it. How is that fair in any way? Wouldn't that kill a normal person? I'm yes, pretty it sure. Would. Or it would certainly knock her out. 
Well, yeah, well, I, I'm pretty sure that w- if it's a big weight, which it looks like it is, it'd probably open up her skull. Luckily, she has a bit of alien DNA that conveniently stops that from happening. But he did everything that. from happening. The whole thing. The, the, the film's like, well, how did that happen? Alien DNA. Well, what about that? Alien DNA. How about this? Alien DNA. Everything is explainable by this little strand of alien DNA she's got. <sighs> I, I I think I'm not the only person who thinks this, but um, I couldn't I couldn't wait for every one of these characters to just die. I just, so few of them actually do. We got like yeah, yeah. I know. I just, really, oh, just no. Every every single one. Don't like you. Don't and like that, you. Don't like you. Don't like the film. Just 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 die, please. <laughs> there's some good actors here, like Ron Perlman. Bless his soul. Is he's a good brilliant. actor? Hellboy. He's great. He's and great he's, in Drive as well. And yeah, stuff in, like yeah. That. in Drive, he's absolutely superb. But uh, just like when I saw he was in this movie, I was like, oh no. He's just a homunculus. He's not even as charming as Jane. But if you go to the actual list of characters in the Alien series, if you went to the previous characters, say for Aliens, then you got some actually fairly uh, extended uh, descriptions. But for example, uh, Frank Elgin, captain of the mercenary ship Betty. Elgin brings the Betty to the Auriga in order to sell kidnapped humans in cryostasis tubes to General Perez. He is romantically involved with Hillard. Let's hear about Hillard, shall we? Sabra Hillard, the assistant pilot of the Betty, who is romantically involved with Elgin. That's her character! There is nothing more to her! Well, to be fair, it's an accurate description of what I saw in the movie, because that's all I got from her. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, we're talking about there are no characters here, but, you know, after Alien 3, there was hardly any character in that um, for most of the inmates. But this is Joss Whedon here. He couldn't have personified them in any other way. He couldn't have, like, made them likeable. Oh. I don't think Joss Whedon is the only person to blame for this. But as, as he said, the, um, the, the, they did the script pretty much word for word just really badly. There is one good thing about the basketball scene, um, which is, uh, you know that bit where she scores the hoop? She actually did yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, she actually did that. That bit, she, she trained for six days in a row to, to be able to, I mean, that is a waste of time for a start. But <laughs> she trained for days and days on end. And because then, the rest of this movie was so worth it. Yeah, because I could have spent so much more time working on, on the character. So yeah, she, she worked her ass off and she was, she was getting like one in six hoops. And they wanted to do it with CGI, but she was confident she could get it. And she was walking away, she boom, like that. And you can see her little face lights up. She knows she's got it. And Ron Perlman, like one second uh, after they cut, went, oh, my God, that's awesome. Which is, um, which actually kind of should have been left in because it would have made it more real and more fun. But, uh, but yeah, in, instead it just looks, it looks like it's actually been done with CGI because it's too perfect. But it was real. So, Annalee Call's motivations. What the fuck is going on with Annalee Call in this movie? Um, uh, um, Someone uh, explain to me, what is this girl's problem? Um, she doesn't like aliens? Um, that's the best description I can come up with. Because there doesn't seem to be a motive, it's just, I don't like aliens, so... Yeah. <laughs> she goes to Ripley, I can end your suffering. And then stabs, no, Ripley stabs herself through the hand with the knife and doesn't react. Do you know when those aliens were 
kicking the shit out of their friend, it was screaming, because aliens feel pain. You may have noticed that they scream like buggery when you shoot them with a gun or set a flamethrower on them. So they feel pain. So alien DNA, again, just doesn't feel pain. Or is it the trick, Mr. Potter, is not minding that it hurt? Yeah, I don't know. And then she has acid for blood. How does she have acid in human veins? You can explain it with aliens. Because you can say... Because with the alien, you could say, oh, they have mucus lining their entire body or something like that. Or they simply have... Acid-proof mucus. Yes, indeed. Um, Or they simply have, you know, a cellular structure that is, you know, doesn't dissolve in acid, which would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, But, no... It appears to be mostly human, but with dodgy fingernails. Yeah. But she's got straight-out acid. It's not like... It's not as powerful an acid... They make a point of that, but it's powerful enough to burn through space glass. Yeah. And uh, to make that knife sizzle. Oh. So, yeah, so Annalie Cole happens to have the breath of Mr. Perez in a little, like, breath spray on her belt full of breath sprays, which is basically also, just that's like the a... worst, worst security system ever. What, like... The amount of DNA that could be in somebody's breath is minuscule, surely. Like, I, I, I... Next to nothing, when they take a DNA swab from the inside of your mouth, what they're actually doing is scraping cells off the inside of your cheek. It's not spit. So yeah. you basically have to hock up a, a bloody phlegm gem on the thing. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And so, who wipes that off each time? And, like, wouldn't it just be covered in DNA, just like spattered with it, just like dripping with sputum? Just, <laughs> just, just have you know just a fingerprint like lock. Like fingerprints are unique. Okay, yeah. just do that. Don't have breath that's just so inconsistent. And oh, what did well, they just it's, lose it's, their know, brain cells? Just in the case future? of wouldn't it be cool if? And they go, wouldn't it be cool if there's a breath lock? So, okay, right, I've put at the end, not so much about acting as looking good. Not so much about script as saying cool things. If you're old enough to watch this film, it's already patronising you. Sorry, while we're on the subject of acid, because this is something that bothered me immensely <laughs> when watching this film again. And the rest of the stuff didn't. Why the hell did they put aliens... In a cell that wasn't acid proof. Now something yep. came That's back. That's exactly at me, what I and said. Why did you, why it's did not, they put three of them together? Somebody somebody came back at me saying, well maybe they didn't know they had acid blood and stuff like that. They knew that they needed hosts for the face huggers. They knew the queen was going to lay eggs. They knew a lot of things about the aliens. So I'm assuming, <laughs> just assuming here, that they knew they had acid blood. So why why on earth aren't they in cells that would be resistant to acid? It's not hard, okay? It's not hard. Different kinds of acid <laughs> burn different kinds of things, okay? It's shown that this acid burns glass, and there's only one kind of acid that burns glass, and that's hydrofluoric acid. So I'm assuming just put them in a very thick plastic cage, and the acid is useless, okay? You said it's like they're putting Magneto in a cell made of metal, and they're going, oh, I'm so surprised when he breaks out. The other thing with that as well is 
when you experiment with like new species and things like that it's usually a good idea to experiment so why didn't they take one egg and make one alien and then see what that alien did when exposed to it you know certain things like you know the acid blood they could have found that out by doing that and, and various other things that they could have tried and tested um why Rather make so than many hatching the eight of the gods well, and things all at once and they, they go oh we're a bit short on cells let's put them in three at a time they That's did 12 good. eggs i mean the eggs aren't gonna go off no, we know that they sat there for what could and be the, decades, millennia, while the, waiting for Cain. The people that they're going to be using as hosts are in cryo. They're not going anywhere. You can keep them in cryo for 57 years at least. Absolutely. Just keep it all in storage. Make one. <laughs> do a few tests. See if what, what's happening is prudent. If all goes successfully, which is unlikely, let's face it. <laughs> if all goes successfully, then try making another one. It's, it's up there with the notion of, of, what's the thing he says about what they could use it for? The, the uses of this thing go way beyond urban, urban pacification. pacification. <laughs> what the hell are they going to do with it? Fire it out of a water cannon? For goodness sake, you put that down in the middle of a riot, that's not urban pacification. That's, that's a massacre. That's, that's a, a big mop you need to clean that one up at the end. They they just have an alien on a leash and they point at it point at it and the mob just go home. Oh my just god, go give home. them to the Met. That is fantastic, yes. The Met can have them instead of horses. Oh god. Ride ride the aliens. There's a bit where Dan Hedea gets the back of his head bust open and he reaches back and he pulls out a piece of his brain and looks at it all cross eyed. That couldn't happen. Ever. In the history of ever, that could not happen. You can't pull out a piece of your own brain and look at it. Not a piece that's that, that big. Let's talk about the alien itself here. Which one? Just just the uh, the regular black aliens in in this film. They, they seem to be like a step up from the, the ones in Alien 3. They seem to behave more like the ones in Aliens, mm-hmm. don't they? Yeah. Uh, they're a bit cleverer than... Um, I don't know, they're not like the rabid dog in Alien 3. What's to say about them, really, apart from the fact that they're very, very gooey? They are certainly there. (laughs) They seem to have more... They um, are present. (laughs) They're there. Their design seems more reptilian this time. Their legs feel almost like a velociraptor, like a dinosaur kind of design, which I'm not a fan of. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of because I like the idea of the alien inheriting like parts of the host it was previously in. So if it has these legs that look more like you know chicken legs or whatever that a dinosaur would have, um, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. What dinosaur had chicken legs? You're thinking of a well, all dinosaurs did because they actually have the exact same bone structure. But oh, never mind. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I just mean to scale. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, God, we're going so far on the topic. Okay, so, I mean, the, yeah, so the aliens are there. There's acid spitting and dripping in personal lubricant. And as I said, they, they have become the heroes of this thing. You want the aliens to succeed. You want the aliens to kill everyone in a horrible way. Which that has nothing to do with the aliens, though. I think that just has everything to do with the fact that you hate everyone else so much. That, that's very true. Yeah. Okay, so... Also, let's, yeah. 
about the alien. How come it's capable of dodging bullets from yeah, a no, guy no, who... Hold on, hold on. We're okay. going to get to that, because basically this is okay. where the film... This is where the film is fundamentally broken from this point onwards. It's after Sabra is killed by being dragged to her death by a Jaws-like alien, um, and it's at the exact point where nobody kills the second alien. They're all rushing from the exits. It's already been established that grenades work underwater and are very effective. I mean, one of them, I think, actually dodges the grenade, doesn't it? It's the, it's, this alien is an agent. It's the only explanation. It can dodge bullets. It can, jo- <laughs> it can dodge grenades. So they don't kill it, okay? Um, then they get to the top and they're underneath the membrane and they can't get out of the water. Oh, my God. Jonna and Christy have knives. Why do they not employ them at this point? Because they are stupid. Yep, that's good enough. Alien Uh, DNA? Alien DNA? (laughs) Um, Then a face hugger jumps out. And there's, I mean, there's everyone's in the water. It's all right there. And despite the fact that aliens actually decide not to kill Ripley later on for the same reason the alien doesn't kill... uh, well, a similar reason to the fact that the alien doesn't kill Ripley in Alien 3, the facehugger goes for Ripley. And Ripley reacts like Frank Drebin when you throw a towel in his face. He goes, and shakes her head. And this floppy rubber piece of crap, which used to be so fucking scary in uh, Aliens, now suddenly isn't. And they killed the facehugger in that one quick go. It's pathetic. It singles out Ripley for no apparent reason. I get what they were trying to do with that scene. They were trying to demonstrate like how powerful Ripley was um, now with the alien DNA. So she was capable of just ripping a face hugger off of her face. But it completely diminishes the threat that the face huggers have. Hmm. You need them to be... Like, before it was like, face hugger gets you death is instant that's it and that's part of what makes the face hugger so terrifying now it's just like i'll just pop it off it's fine and it's it's tail if you remember that we used to be incredibly muscular tail that would wrap around your neck and strangulate you um now it's just sort of flopping around like an old man's cock i believe (laughs) yeah it was no just in the water and it it made it seem like a rubber creature just sort of thrown in there just because like well we've got to have a face hugger tick (sighs) Okay, previous point, the aliens spit acid now, uh, but why didn't it spit acid earlier when they needed to get out of their cell, which would have precluded them from actually murdering one of their number? I hate that I'm even going to try and justify this, but if they had um, tried to use their saliva in order to get out of there, it would have taken a lot longer because they would have had to make a bigger hole and somebody, not that they necessarily could have done anything, but um, somebody might have actually noticed and had more time to prepare for them eventually getting out of the cell. All three of them all gobbing on the floor at the same time. When they all turn to that, the, the two of them turn to the one alien and it goes kind of, what? And they're like... Come here, Charlie. It's for the good of the hive. No, you guys suck. And it's like, this, I really feel sorry for this poor alien, which Sharon dubbed Charlie for some reason. <laughs> well, no, Charlie has tiger blood, not acid blood. Right. On that note, why did the scientists store the aliens three at a time in non-acid-proof cells? Like, ultimately, if you have four cells, make four aliens. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. 
there's 12 aliens altogether, right? They say they made 12 of them. Mm-hmm. When they're doing the, you know, when they start doing the bit where they go, um, cell two unauthorized opening, cell five, six, seven, blah, blah, blah. They go up to 10. That suggests aliens one through 10 had individual cells. Then they ran out of cells, so they put the last two in the same cell. I think that makes sense. Well noticed. That would explain why they're... So I'm going to come back to the numbers. If you've only got ten cells, why make twelve? Or why not just, rather than putting three in one, put two in two? Yeah, that would also... Or... Or, better idea, (laughs) seeing as you clearly don't know much about the aliens kill two of them and do like an autopsy or something to learn something about them, you know? To burn off your hands in the acid blood that you know you'll never work again. Uh, Okay, so then the alien jump, they're all up climbing up the ladder. Oh no, hang on, I forgot about the fact that he, what's his name? Christy, the fucking crack shot, fires, like, using the, because he can he can tell when his bullets are going to rebound from one area to another, and he rebounds his grenades around, and he fires two grenades, and they fall into the facehugger capsules, and then they explode nine times. There's two grenades, and they explode nine times. That doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> I, I, the fair, enough. fair enough. Alien DNA does not explain that. Fair enough. If it if it was a root like an armory or something, or if there was like explosive barrels or something in there, <laughs> red but, barrels. But, <laughs> but as far as I could tell, it's just a room full of eggs. Okay, eggs. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Alex. But they're not very flammable. Previously, in the alien fiction, the eggs weren't combustible. Yes, she had to really flamethrow them just to make them rupture. But they don't explode. They're not full of gelignite. Okay. <laughs> oh god, there's still okay, there's so many little bullet points left. This like I said, this is the point where the movie doesn't make any sense and everything that happens doesn't make any sense. Nothing that happens then makes sense. Okay, so they start climbing the ladder. Christy he's got Brees on his back, and then the aliens climbing up behind him, Ron Perlman goes down and shoots it, it doesn't work, and then Christy tries to shoot it, and then the alien goes, ha-ha, and spits in his face, and he goes, ah, my face, my beautiful face! And then he shoots repeatedly at the alien, and the alien dodges bullets like an agent, like I said, and then one bullet goes into his head, and the alien explodes! These are not bullets that make things explode, we've already seen them! They don't. They're not explosive bullets. It's not a grenade. It's a bullet. But the alien explodes. And yet it's still hanging on to Christie's leg. And Christie, despite the fact that he has the use of his legs, can't be bothered to shake his leg like this. To get rid of it. He's just like, nah, you know what, mate? The only thing for me to do is to fall, what, ten feet into some water to my obvious death. That was ridiculous, because all the characters, all the characters are like, no, don't do it, you'll die. And I'm like, no, he won't, he'll just shake off the alien and then climb back up the ladder, it'll be fine. You could drop off a diving board that far into a pool of water and not die. Yeah. 
In fact, dropping into the water, you might be able to like neutralize some of the acid burn. To, I mean, like his face was burned with acid, but it wasn't like eating into his skull and making him into a, a brain dead freak. God <laughs> Almighty! The fact that all the characters are like just accept that he's dead as well. Like, okay, well, uh, he's, he's dead. Let's move on. Not even questioning the fact that the android that was shot in the chest earlier somehow managed to get round behind the door somehow. I don't know how that happened, seeing as they established that that waterway was the only way through, unless she has the ability to metal bend the walls so she could get past it. It's metal bending. And so then Cool turns up, she's got a hole in her stomach, inside which is a big load of jizz, and then Ripley gets her hand all covered it and goes, ooh, and holds it up to the camera. Do you know what this looks a little bit like? And then everyone's supposed to go, OMFG, Cool is a synthetic, except for the fact that fucking Winona Ryder has been doing interview after interview talking about what it's like to play a synthetic. That's not a revelation if you've blown it already in promotion. Anyway, so yeah, calls it synthetic, she's got a hole in her, and, blah, 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 blah. and then she plugs herself into the system and screws over Dr. Wren. And then Ripley gets pulled through the floorboards, just like Newt does. Remember that bit in Aliens? And then Ripley apparently fucks an alien. I could be wrong, but she's languishing in this disgusting alien matter, like hugging and caressing an alien with its big cock head. And we're like, yeah, okay, that makes perfect sense. Alien DNA. And then... (laughs) And then... And then the alien queen gives birth to live young with her giant external human womb without the aid of alien sperm. That doesn't make any sense. You can't say alien DNA. Alien DNA cancels out human DNA. Deep breath, dude. Deep breath. Just, just, just. Come. <laughs> this is the greatest podcast ever. I just. It couldn't happen ever in the history of ever. You give us this one organism's life cycle. And we already know the human life cycle. And then you sort of go, and put them together, and just go, alien DNA, to explain everything. Everything your twisted little heart desires to put on screen, you explain with alien DNA. It's interesting how uh, the alien queen is able to swap uh, reproductive systems halfway through the movie. That's interesting. Well, they explain it, don't they? Brad Dourif's character says, oh, no, first, no, 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 first she no, laid some eggs, no. then she changed. They don't explain it. That's not explaining. He says it. He <laughs> says she laid some eggs. And then she changed. Then she changed. That's not explaining Jack she changed. Shit. Because the narrative required it. It's as much explanation as pop it on your wrist. I have never personally had a child, so maybe, Sharon, you can shed a little bit more light on this. I'm pretty sure that ain't how it works for humans. (laughs) Well, (laughs) oddly enough, (laughs) that kind of was how it worked for me. No, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it is utterly irrational that the alien queen would suddenly develop a womb without the means of exit. So that in order to exit, the, the 
baby, for want of a better word, had had to tear out of her um, from the inside out because no, that you are right. That's not how the human reproductive system is supposed to work. And if we're talking speeded up evolution here, as I understand it, the exit part, um, for want of a better term, developed first. And the womb was kind of an extension of that. Alien DNA. No! No! Alien DNA. Alien DNA. Right, and this is why I put uh, on Twitter, and that's why babies aren't born with the ability to decapitate their ugly, scary mums. Because this is what this is what the newborn does immediately. Well, we've got to have a face hugger. This should be a comedy. Could Skeetlewick be in this? Well, we've got to have a queen. Give the new alien the giant schlong. That makes me uncomfortable. Cut it off. Well, we've got to have a chest buster. Put basketball in there. All the kids are playing that. Does Sigourney want to come back? She says she doesn't want to come back. Give her 11 million dollars and as many baby hearts as she wants. Well, we've got to have a robot. She says she doesn't need baby hearts. Well, we've got to have the alien hitch aboard the ship at the end. Yeah, that's right, Skeet. You suck on that dick. I'm gonna make you a star. Cover everything in sperm. Not you, Skeet. Well, wait two minutes. Well, we've got to have the ship explode. Skeet, stop crying. It puts me off. Could the alien wear Reeboks? This is gonna be the best sci-fi since Screamers. Oh, talking about inconsistent characters, let's talk about the newborn human alien. Yes, it's true. All over the place. It's like, Oh, I want you to care about me. I am sympathetic. You must pity me. Oh, I'm going to kill everyone. Oh, I'm going to play about with this guy's head, brain in between. Yeah. And, and yeah, Brad Dirt's like, you're a beautiful, beautiful butterfly. It's like, dude, you were weird in the first part of the movie. Now you're out of your fucking tree. No <laughs> one will be anything other than, get me the fuck out of here, Ripley. Please. Everyone, everyone to this point has been like, kill me. But he's like, oh, this is brilliant. I'm witnessing evolution. Oh. Well, this is the guy that kind of tried to make out with an alien through the glass earlier on. <laughs> and his teeth were scarier than the aliens, I might add. They were. They stopped, like, psych profiling scientists in, in the ultimate future. Okay, we'll not, take well, any they stopped job. making sure scientists even had their degrees at that point, because they clearly didn't realise that acid blood is quite easily contained, but... oh. I, I know that Leland Orser's character, Purvis, is going through some real shit when he starts to chest burst. He's, he's, he's panicking. And he's been really panicking. And he's doing exactly the same as he did in Seven, that film directed by David Fincher. Oh, God, I've lost my thread. Watching okay. this movie feels like that scene from Seven. Leland Orser, you'll remember from Seven, where he was the arbiter of the lust crime and was similarly traumatised and jittery and shrieking. And he is in this movie pretty much playing the same character. And, um... Dr. Wren shoots him, like, six times while he's charging across the uh, the Betty. And he gets shot, boom, 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 over and over again. And this thing is ripping out of his uh, chest at this point. Now, we've seen this happen to Kane. He is only able to put on what is roughly equivalent to an epileptic fit. Purvis manages to withstand being shot over and over again enough times. One, just one of those bullets would be enough to lay a person out. 
And he is suddenly able to, he's freakishly strong, and he is able to punch Dr. Ren out, pull him up to his knees, and then put him like neatly and directly in front of this chest-busting thing, even though he doesn't really know what's going to happen, and go, ah! And then the, you go down his throat, and then the alien goes, ha ha, it's me! And then the alien bursts through his ribcage, bursts through the back of Ren's skull, through Ren's brain, and then through the front of Ren's skull. That doesn't make any fucking sense at all! It, it, it can't do that! Just because you want it to happen doesn't mean it can! Oh, Christ. Just, just so much of this film, especially in the last third, it's just so much kind of, wouldn't it be cool if it just chucking shit at the screen. So this chest-bursting thing, what happens to this chest-bursting alien? Do they just uh, shoot it? Uh, yeah, it just gets pummeled full of bullets. And, you know, they all point it, sort of like look, I swear they like look at each other and sort of do a slight nod and then go, ah, oh, screaming and... Ron Perlman's just yelling, going, ah, ah. pumping it full of There's that bit where um, Ren holds Annalie Cole at gunpoint. He goes, I'll shoot her, I'll fucking shoot her. And, and Ron Perlman goes, and he lowers his weapons. He's like, no, we've already seen that Jonna doesn't care about Cole as a human and thinks of her as a toaster oven when she's turned out to be a synthetic. Why didn't he just shoot Ren in the face, leaving Cole alive but shocked? And like, he could have shot me. Yeah, I don't care. Just this, this, this case of, you know, the whole uh, anti-android stigma. Sorry, the whole anti-synthetic stigma that seemed to run throughout the series. We didn't need to see a chest-bursting scene, but of course they had to tick that box. And they had to go one further than just chest-bursting. It has to head-burst. It's in the head or nothing. <laughs> yeah. Also as well, with uh, Jonna saying about um, Ripley torching the, the failed clones. Oh, I forgot about that. He says oh, it's a waste of ammo. Yeah. And later in the film, he then proceeds to shoot a spider on a web with a bullet. Is it, it, is it just me, or is, is, that, is that a waste of ammo, or what? It's, uh, it's a total waste of ammo. You're absolutely and, right. And when he's, when he's hanging from the ladder, shooting down at the alien, clearly missing, and he's just constantly just, you know, bang, 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 bang. And it's... Oh. Speaking of that scene, and indeed Waste of Ammo, that's one of the only bits of the, the film that sort of you, you start thinking, oh, maybe this uh, Ripley 8 has got some sort of character behind her. Because she, she looks at Ripley's 1 through 7, which are all horrible freakish um, uh, fetuses in jars, except for number 7, who's strapped to a bed going, Kill me! Which, as Sharon asked, why didn't they kill her? Why didn't the science team go... Oh, this is a wrong one. It, it's not so much why didn't <laughs> they kill her as why specifically were they keeping her alive? She had tubes in her. She there was there was life support attached. It's quite clear all they had to do was pull some plugs out and she'd just die. It doesn't involve a, 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 um, an active thing that they had to do. They just had to leave her and she would die. Why were they sustaining her? They said they wanted to try and keep Ripley alive because she was still in good condition and her life signs were good and all the rest of it. They were curious. Seven, patently not. Yeah, maybe they wanted to harvest something from her, like like her alien DNA. I, I don't know. Alien I, DNA. I mean, they'd obviously from the... the what's um, for dinner. She's got the um, incision on her chest, which would suggest they've already had a look to see if she's got a, uh, an embryo and, and she didn't, or, or if she did, it wasn't usable. Well, the embryo came out and went, Kill me! 
<laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Um, and then Ripley goes, oh, I must end this poor creature's life. And she looks around the room and goes, what's the most painful way we can kill her? Could we uh, shoot her in the head? No, that's, that'll be instant. Um, just break her neck? Uh, uh, who do we have around here who's really big and strong who could break necks? Um, we could put a grenade in there. That would just, boom, straight away. Um, but that's still kind of messy. Or we could just unplug her from life support. That's probably the most humane way of doing it. Fuck it. Give me the flamethrower. <laughs> and she kills her in the worst possible way. In the most horrible, painful, agonizing possible way. She ends this creature's life. I, I know she wants to destroy e- Ripley's one through six, but there's easier more merciful ways of killing poor number seven. There's like, cool, gives her the flamethrower and goes, Ripley, you have to. <laughs> kind of, oh, you, it's got to be the flamethrower, Ripley. I mean, nothing else. It, uh, maybe just like leave that a hammer. synthetic is a vicious shit. <laughs> <laughs> just give a hammer to uh, Ripley number seven and go, there you go, you can now do it yourself. <laughs> right. Oh, Christ, we're not even done yet. How does the lumbering hybrid alien get to the Betty at the same time as the sprinting Ripley? Because it does. Uh, I'll tell you how, in case you folks are wondering. Narrative contrivance. The first alien got onto the Nostromo's uh, shuttle, the uh, Narcissus. Uh, the alien queen managed to hitch its way back onto the uh, dropship, so that managed to do it. So we're going to riff on that as well and have it somehow get in there too. <laughs> Um, oh God. <laughs> uh, and then when they sense that there's something down there and Cole's getting thrown around the room by it and the De Stefano comes down there to feasibly rescue her, Cole doesn't shout out, De Stefano, there's a really big alien creature in here, watch out. Just keep a look around, just watch out. There's a thing around, watch out. She just goes, De Stefano, and he goes, huh? And looks over there. And then the alien creature just sort of is standing right next to him and goes, Nyah! and <laughs> squishes his head. So basically, Annalie Cole, if she'd said nothing, probably wouldn't have got him killed. At least not quite so quickly and pathetically, because he may have been looking to his left. But no. Annalie Cole, as you say, Sharon, has a vendetta against humans, it would appear. Yes. And aliens. The last one I was going to ask was, how is Ripley alive if she has acid for blood powerful enough to eat through space glass? Because she does, and I've already asked that, and uh, we've already established alien DNA. So she flushes it out of the goddamn airlock, just like she did the original Alien and the Alien Queen. It riffs on the original couple of films. There's isn't a fucking original idea in this that's not just, what did they do in this first one? Could we go one louder? Could we maybe get it through the head? Um... I'm just astonished that not enough, not more people loathe this film. I wouldn't say it ruins it, uh, but it definitely, like I said, it does shed too much light on these creatures that um, uh, Scott and Cameron have spent a long time keeping in the shadows. It's, it, it, makes, it, it makes it into a black comedy, which, again, it, it, doesn't, it didn't need to be and shouldn't have been. So you know, I wish they hadn't made it. Simple as that. Shouldn't have had Ripley in it, A., Fine, make an alien black comedy, that's fine. But it's, it's, it's like they're playing with characters created by other people at this stage. And they're messing with her, making reference to scenarios created by other far more talented people. And, I don't know, just Joss Whedon should not have cut his movie teeth on this, or indeed Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, yeah. Anything else from anyone else? 
Just why? Kill me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's it. This film made $161 million at the box office. Million. Imagine how much money was wasted at the box office going to see this film. How many poor children could that have fed? Oh. (laughs) I feel quite sick. (laughs) I do. I know. What's a disgusting waste of money. I mean, even just take away that 70 million they spent and just put the balance of 90 million, 91 million, and, and just feed poor children with that. Ugh. So the next time there is a piece of shit film which you are considering going to see, don't go and see it at the cinema. Give money to charity and watch one of your favourites on DVD instead. Simple as that. I feel like that somehow directed towards me with yes. evil. <laughs> okay. I'd like to thank my guests Leah Haydu, Joshua Garrity, James Perkins and Sharon Shaw. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Digital Gonzo. I've been Alex Shaw. We'll be back next week with Alien vs. Predator. And whoever wins, we lose. Yeah, nobody likes you. Shut up, bitch. Uh, uh. I hope that Lollipop Chainsaw is as good as uh, Shadows of the Damned. Explain the plot of it to Sharon. She's not had the pleasure. Uh, of, of what? Lollipop Chainsaw or...? Uh, no, Shadows of the Damned. Shadows of the Damned. Ah, uh, okay. It's very crazy. Um, basically, you play a character called Garcia Hotspur, and he's a, he's a demon hunter, and his girlfriend gets captured by the demon lord of the underworld person and then you have to go into the, the underworld and fight your way through demons and at one point you walk through the darkness where you have to walk over your girlfriend's tits uh, and, she's make, <laughs> and she's making sexual noises and then you go uh, into like the red light district fight big uh, demon monsters that look like big daddies with a gun called the Big Boner and then you kill the demon lord of the underworld. Please tell me that you have all of that recorded, Alex. I did. And now we record it. Go. It's a hideous pig fuck of a movie. It's badly written. It's badly edited. Badly directed. The entire thing makes absolutely zero sense. Uh, the whole idea of an alien with a womb is fucking ridiculous. And I'm really sorry I watched this again. It's awful. So you didn't like it then? No, I wasn't keen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go shoot some hoops and score some gold points. I would try, yeah. Alright, cheers, guys. Okay, bye. See ya. Bye, Matt. Bye. See ya. See ya.